that's no moon. It's a space station. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. As always, a few announcements before we get started. We have a new Hopewell Farm CBD promo code, JTTTHANKS, gets you 15% off all Hopewell Farm CBD products, and that lasts through December 3rd. Take advantage of that. That's a great deal. Their CBD is some of the best I've used, and the topical ointment is amazing as well. So go take advantage of that discount. The promo code and the link is in the description below. And as you may know our conference tickets are on sale. Rebels of Disclosure 2024, May 13th through the 16th in Grafton, Illinois, once again at the Pier Marquette Lodge. Uh, we had a lot of fun the last two years. Never imagined we'd be doing a third one, but here we are. And you can get those tickets at rebelsofdisclosure.com. That link is below also. And we do have an early bird sale going through midnight on Black Friday. You get the four-day pass for $344. And that includes a T-shirt and a live stream link. So when and upon checkout, you just pick your T-shirt size and pick it up at the door. And the live stream passes are also discounted through Black Friday as well. So take advantage of that. Rebelsofdisclosure.com. You can find everything you need there. Uh, tonight, we are joined by our good friend, Nikki Anna Jones. Uh, I met Nikki. She actually reached out to Aaron and I. Well, a year ago or something. About a, a year ago year. now to come on her show and uh, interview us because she found she got I guess she watched her Hollow Earth podcast and um, a few other podcasts and she reached out. So we did an interview with her. Little did I know that meeting Nikki was going to change my life in a number of ways. Uh, I got invited to go to Chaco Canyon, which ended up being more of a tour of the Southwest, which led to a trip to Belize, where we had some amazing experiences that we're actually going to cover today and it just um it, knowing nikki has been like a wild ride and she has some crazy experiences and we're going to talk about some of that today so welcome to the show nikki thanks welcome i mean i'm happy to be on so yeah hey you're used to interviewing you're like welcome to yeah i'm like i'm like oh and then and i but i actually want to like i'm gonna like replug there i went to their conference last year in may or it actually was this year in May. Yeah. It was like the best conference I've ever been to in the history of my life. And I've been to a lot of them. Oh, so there's that you. one. So also I like heard about it last minute, right? So like I didn't get to get into the hotel room where everything was. So you really should get early bird tickets and like book your hotel thing so that you're inside the hotel thing that the conference is because that would make it like amplified awesome. I had an Airbnb, which was fine. You could do that too. But I'm just saying there's there's incentive for you to do the early birdie thing. So I'm just telling you. The early birdie thing. Well, 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 you're a little late on that announcement because the venue itself actually did sell out. The room's on site. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's not that big of a venue. So there's not that many rooms. So it sells out really quick. Right. But if you're the camping type, you can always camp on site in yeah. either a, or an RV type. or anything like that. Or you could put your uh, your name on like a cancellation list, which some, some people or, inevitably people can't yeah. go. They back out for whatever reason. So um, you can still call the venue and see if there's something available. I would recommend that. But thank you, Nikki. We appreciate that. And it was fun. It was a good event last year. And um, or this year. Yeah. Or this year. I know. I keep thinking yeah, it was this, last earlier year. this year. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
So something I want to start with is when you you interviewed us, you were telling us this story about this lost city of Manoa and like this Atlantean like outpost in another dimension, this whole story. And, and you even went there after you heard the story and you saw a unicorn. It was this whole thing. And it actually sent me down a rabbit hole. And it's one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And we'll get into that. But I'll let you explain to the audience how you even learned about this book and this city and what that was like for you. And then eventually going there and witnessing a unicorn here in the 3D with two other people. We have witnesses. So it's an incredible story. But where did you learn okay, about you, this? Did tell you the tell? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear the tale. Okay. All right, let's hear the tale. Okay, so I went to like this Native American festival, which is kind of similar to that other one that we went to. Sunfire. Sunfire festival that we went to like in August. Okay, so I went to one similar to that in 2018, and it was uh, it was it was near Taos, New Mexico, and there was one of my friends. He he's from Colombia. Brian, who you met, who you're going to be traveling with. But anyway, so he calls me and he's like, hey, Nikki, I'm going to go to this like Native American festival. Do you want to come? And I'm like, what? I don't, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. I don't know what that is. I'll come. So I go to it and that's a camping thing. And I'm not really a camper, but like this is a camping story. So it's like I had to become a camper. But anyway, so I go there and there's this guy that he's translating for called Sarata. And he's um, a, a Native Colombian man. And he's, you know, like older, like in his 70s. And he speaks zero English. And he um, he keeps on saying that he's been to Atlantis, like an Atlantis outshoot. And uh, I, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So it's it, ha- it just so happens I'm traveling with the guy who is the coolest person at this or, or has the coolest story at this thing or whatever. Anyway, he kept on telling me like, hey, you need a spell. You need a spell. Because I was about to go to Egypt. I hadn't been to Egypt, but I was about to go to Egypt for the first time. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. I don't, okay. I don't know what about a spell, but anyway, so he, so the, the man, Sarata, he gives me this, he insists that I have this spell to open portals. That's what he calls it. And I was like, all right, sure. Cool. So he tells me the spell and I'm not going to say it online because I, it actually works. So I don't want people who suck to have it, I guess, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So there you go. That's, we don't, that's we don't want people who suck to have it. I don't yeah. want people who suck to have it. Yeah. Right. And like, honestly, people always are texting me like, can you, can I have the spell? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Like if I'm friends with you, I will tell you. And I think you're cool. I'll give you a spell. But if you're just like some rando and you are on the internet, don't ask me for the spell because I'm not going to give it to you. So anyway, I'll just claim I don't know it. I forgot it. Anyway. So, uh, Anyway, he tells me the cool tale or whatever. And what he says, basically in a nutshell, he wrote a book, but it's only in Spanish. He went to this like offshoot of this place in Colombia. It's in the Amazon forest. And um, he ran into an Atlantean hidden city that's like cloaked. And then when you go into it, there's like UFOs and there's like these Atlanteans are still in existence. They're giants, like this whole thing. And he, he was guided there this last time by a guy who he ended up losing and never came back. And he ended up staying with the Atlanteans. Um, and so he tells me this whole big tell, which I guess we could get into later. Cause, uh, but, uh, I, I, it's, I didn't believe nor disbelieve. I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, anyway, said goodbye from that festival. A month later, I go to Egypt. I find myself alone in the King's chamber. Like I'm in the little box thing in the King's chamber. And I didn't know that that was going to happen. That wasn't part of the tour. That wasn't like something that I, I, knew, I didn't 
think I was going to get to be alone there. So I'm just like sitting there thinking like, oh, dang, like, I don't know if I have 30 seconds. I don't know if I have two minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know how long I have. Like, it's a fluke that I even got this alone time to begin with, like no security guard, nothing. So of course I jump into the box and then I'm, uh, I'm thinking like, well, I'm not going to meditate because I don't want to like close my eyes when I'm, you know, in like the coolest little place ever. So then I'm like, oh, hmm. And then the thought comes to me like, hey, do that spell that that little dude gave you like uh, a month ago. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll say the spell. So I'm inside the king's chamber in the box and I start saying this spell to open portals. Well, it works. It literally, like this dude starts manifesting from the top of the ceiling, like the, the granite on top of the king's chamber. And it's almost like, you know how the Egyptians have those pointy skirts? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like the weird pyramid skirts. Okay, so it has the it's basically if a figure that's forming out of granite with the pointy skirt skirt and some kind of weird apparatus on its head. And then I freak out because I'm like, I don't know what I'm bringing in. I don't know who this is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like no, I I I revoke my They're spell. Blowing. Like, no, 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 I don't need <laughs> And uh, and I hear some people. And you can't just come in. There's not like a door and you just come to King's Chamber. Like you have to crawl through this little thing or whatever. So like I can hear these people clunking in and I'm like sitting up in the thing and I'm like freaking out like that. They're going to see this dude coming out of the ceiling. And then as soon as everybody like other people like come in the room, he just turns to smoke and just goes away. Boof. And I'm like, and they're like, wow, you got the King's Chamber alone. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> great um and so i'm feeling some kind of way about this and i was like weirded out right so then i'm I'm like okay well maybe sarat is not completely full of crap right so uh when i get back from egypt i call up my friend brian and i'm like hey so your friend who's doing this atlantis trip in february so this is february of 2020 like right before everything hit the fan right um i I was like i'm going i'm gonna come i want to go see this atlantis portal thing or whatever so basically I go, there was like some, it was like a weird kind of clusterfuck of weird, oh, I don't know if you can say that. It was, it's a weird kind of cluster of, you, you know. You can say it. You can say it. Okay. Anyway, like there was like some dude who I'm pretty sure is like a meth head who was like running the thing or something. Like, so I basically knew right before I went to the, the portal, my friend had um, uh, given me this book that was translated that it's not published. You can't read it. But only like because there's there's um there's some sort of fight amongst the publishers or something going on like that they haven't published it. So I gave it to Tyler to read, even though I wasn't supposed to. And um, did you get to read it too, Aaron? I've only read a tiny bit of it. Okay. So, well, anyway, you're not supposed to read it, right? It's like oh, a, right. A, a hush, like you're not supposed <laughs> to kind of like read it. So like apparently, if you know how to read Spanish, it's published in Spanish. It's just not English translated thing, whatever. So I read that like right, like on the flight on the way down there. So like I read it right before I went there. So I kind of like knew like there was protocols to get into the portal. It's not like you could just be like, roll up like, yo, what up? And the people who were there were like not matching these protocols. So I 100% knew we weren't going to get there. But anyway, like inside the actual portal, we're I'm talking like, we were in the middle of nowhere. Like I had to cross a river with my backpack on my head and I'm hoping that I could tread water enough that my phone wouldn't get wet. Like we went like deep, 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 like really far, like no civilization. There's no cell phones. Like there's, it's like the most remote place in the world I've ever been. Anyway. So one of the evenings, 
um, one of the ta- the days we were there, like I'm on no substances. I've only had quinoa and water. There was no ayahuasca, even though I had ayahuasca, but it was later in the trip that wasn't then. So this is not a drug induced thing. This was just me and four other bros were like walking back to our camp, our, our campground. And the other two guys kind of like take off running later on. They said they thought they saw a phantom, which is like Spanish for like a ghost. They thought they saw a ghost. Um, but then, so me and these other two guys, like I'm, I'm leading the, the back or whatever, just la la la. There's no use having your phone because your phone's been dead for a couple of days and there's no power or anything. And I feel like something goes like taps my shoulder and I like look over and, and it goes, I look over and it's a white horse and it has a horn on its head. Like it's like, and so anyway, I, so the three of us like stop. We're like looking at it and it's just eating grass. Like it's like from, you know, here to here, it's like it touched me. And then it just started eating grass and like slowly starts walking. And like, uh, Demetrius is like, uh, guys, so that horse has a horn. And I'm like, yep, yep, it does. And then the other guy, my friend E, he goes, okay, I'm going to say it. It's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. And I'm like, yeah, it does appear to be a horse with the horn. That's a unicorn. <laughs> And so, you know, like, so we just sat there for like 10 minutes watching it eat. And I mean, I people can think we're crazy or whatever. And like, I I have told some like 3D friends that or whatever you want to call like NPC play people or something. And like, I've told one of my friends that and she's just like, oh, hun, you know that there's like genetic like mutations that can happen. So I'm sure like that far in the Amazon, there was probably a mutation. I don't know. I just know that this, it wasn't Atlantean portal. That was my indication that I think like I was invited to come back if I wanted to. And I think I probably, if I followed the right protocols could get in, but then I'm not so sure I would come back. So I don't really know. So it was this whole thing, but um, I think the portals are real. I think they exist. And now you go, Tyler, tell me what you read about the book and what you think. So the book to me was profound, honestly. Uh, I couldn't put it down. Like it's it's about a guy who spent 13 years trying to find this portal, seven different expeditions. And on the seventh one, which he didn't even want to go on the seventh one, he gave up after the sixth expedition, but somebody else seeked him out to be a guide to go find the portal. And he decided, okay, I'll go be the guide for this guy. Well, that guy is the one who I think or one of the people the from guy, that tour. The guy is Tarata is the one who gave me the spell. Like he's the right. So, but so this group of people reached out to Serata, say, "Hey, can you take us?" After he already told himself he wasn't going to go back, he had already spent ten years looking for this portal. He had amazing experiences. He even encountered some of the beings. I mean, everything like things that wouldn't happen in a normal person's lifetime. He experienced all of it but not finding a portal until the last uh, trip, whenever he took this other group. And that's when somebody from the group went missing. And while he was looking for him, he found the portal as well. And the, the person that went missing ended up, he was guided and led to that place because he was supposed to live out the rest of his life in this Atlantean city, right? Well, he went into the city, like you said, uh, he saw, the ufos everything giants technology that just is you know thousands of years ahead of our time a sphinx with a lion like a green like a green sphinx with a lion lion's head um a lake a transparent lake with like like crystal clear water it's so clear it just looks transparent that's how he called it i mean there's a number of things that happened and 
whenever he was in the city, he was taken at the bottom of this transparent lake. There was like this chest that holds all the records of the entire planet from the beginning of time all the way till now, the planet, space, everything. And so the last chapter of the book is like him giving the history of our planet. And then it's, there's information in that last chapter that I've never read in any other book. And I, and to me, I'm like, wow, everyone needs to read this, but it's only in Spanish. And me and Nikki are the only people who have read it in, in uh, English. And I'm just like, man, like, I don't know what these publishers are worrying about, but I feel like this book needs to get out. Maybe you can convince them when you're, when you're out there. So yeah. yeah, Tyler's going to go on an expedition to, he's going to so, try to go. Of course, I had to pull Nikki and reach out. I'm like, well, I got to go now. Like the book changes you. Like you, once you read it, you're like, I got to go. Like I have to see what this is about. So in February, I'm supposed to be going down there and doing something similar to what Nikki did, but a little different. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. But uh, I mean, I think like you said, the portals, like these portals, I mean, just us traveling, we've experienced things like portals and stargates, even ancient stargates and like, what are your thoughts on all that? Like, you, you, I know you think they're real, but how, like, do you, do you think they're accessible for, for all of us, the everyday person? Well, it's weird. Cause like, I had that dream a couple of nights ago that I sent you, like, but, but, um, where I, um, like, I got like a whole download of like the way our realms work or something. Like, right. I don't know if it's true or not. It's just like what, like, like right. my dream itself, like was giving me like a PowerPoint presentation on how the universe we live in, how it actually functions. Anyway, um, I do think that they're mobile. Like I sort of think that like, um, I, okay, like I'm starting to begin to think of, I guess I'm kind of beginning to believe that we're more in a Lord of the Rings than we are in like an alien, like meaning I think there are ages men. And I think that you have, uh, I think that we have dimensions that overlap and wherever they overlap at, like that, like there's thinning of the veils. And I think that's where you can literally cross between two worlds and see other, other beings. And I think some beings in other realms or planes or whatever you want to call it have figured this out. And I think they like travel freely amongst all realms like ours too. And we see them, we're like, Oh, look at that UFO or like whatever, <laughs> but we're right. just, well, and actually, I kind of think that people in our own realm have figured this stuff out too, but we're just not privy to it in the open public. But um, right. anyway, uh, well, another cool story that Tyler and I actually, we kind of had a couple of them actually, but um, we, wait, let's tell them the Belize one with the, with the under, okay. Yeah, so, well, first we should preface it by saying, you know, we had what well, we think we had missing time from. Belize City to Punta Gorda, like with that three hour drive was like five and a half hours. And it was just really yeah. weird. Like at one point we pulled over and I don't know, but it, like, I think that was like the start of all the weirdness. And then uh, that whole trip seemed like it was, we were there two weeks, but it felt like we were there for like months or something. It felt yeah, like it was, super long. It was kind of crazy. Um, so basically I, I got an invite it was completely misleading, right? Like I was at first, the, but the thing was like, oh, we found a pyramid and you want to come help excavate it? And I was like, oh, yes. And then I was like, can I bring friends? And they were like, sure. And I called up like Tyler and my friend Kaylee. And I was like, hey, you guys want to come help me dig up a pyramid in Belize? And they were like, 
yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, but then when we get there, it was like, no, actually, it's just like some land with uh, maybe some, we're going to just going to do some reconnaissance missions to see if there is a pyramid on, um, it was like, what, um, like nine, it, yeah, it, it, it was, it ended up, that part ended up being kind of lame, but I did a bunch of other, I thought, but um, we, we ended up doing a lot of other, like looking at um, other pyramid or lesser known Mayan ruins and stuff that were in the area. And um, yeah, there was a, a, the, the coolest experiment though, that we did that, like on a 3D level that we did find was where, where were we at? Nimli Punit or something where we found that the, okay. So yeah. Sky Jared Murphy, who was setting the trip up or whatever, he, brought those um it's like an analog uh, i don't know what it what it's actually called but it it can detect like an electromagnetic current yeah whether there's a current it. in the wall or not um, yeah, in the or, rack yeah yeah so so it's an amplifying an amp an amp reader or something right and so yeah. we had an analog amp reader and if you took um if you if you ground one of the wires and you put another one on the meter it literally would um like if it was a rock that was made for the rock Mayan ruin, it would have like a lot of voltage or it would be super conductive. It was a conductivity tester, right? Yeah. But if you put it on a regular rock that was just like on the path that they made, zero, no conductivity. So we were finding that the actual rocks that were used for these Mayan temples, at least the ones in Belize, were super conductive, which needs to be studied more scientifically in general. And is actually kind of like a big... It's a big deal because big these... Deal. These sites are supposed yeah. to be technology, which they are, were, were, they are and were a technology. But we've now discovered that these, the megalithic stones, the blocks are actually conductive. And there's a, that's, that's huge. That's, that's big. That, yeah. I don't even know how to describe the. Yeah. The, I mean, like that, that's so many implications on what that means. Like maybe the stones in and of themselves were their own form of power generation. Yeah. Or know? were they. Yeah. And and were they There's, natural or were they blocks that were built or, or you know bricks you poured? We can say something there. Yeah, yeah. That that goes for from what from what I've seen, almost all of the megalith ancient megalithic structures and temples and things and pyramids. They're the the stone and the material they're you that are used to build are not just random. It's not just like oh whatever they had in the area. No, they're like very specifically chosen, like basalts and. And these yeah. different things because of the conductivity and the different properties of the stone, like you said. Right. And it was, and it was, it was just wild to see, to test it on the stones on of the structure and then the regular rocks on the path. And it was a noticeable difference. Like, wow, this has mm -hmm. no conductivity, no charge, but then these right. do. So, I and mean, it didn't matter if it was still connected <laughs> to the structure or not. Like, for instance, if they used, like, they used like some of the blocks that would have been on the pyramids. Or whatever to just like as like the edges of the pathway and they used regular gravel in the middle of the pathway well even the ones that were disconnected from the the structures were still con they still held conductivity pro properties it was just the our, our regular rocks didn't have anything right. so it was that was that was cool to 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 figure out so that was one cool thing that we found when we were blazed but anyway so we went to this um this was like one of those follow your nose. Like we were driving, we were going to go to some waterfall. And then all of a sudden there was a little picture of like a little pyramid thing. And I was like, turn here. 
and Tyler was the driver. And like, we turned, we turned there. And then we, we like, we walked up this path and then we were like, this is like a, this is like an unexcavated pyramid thing. This is what we came for. So we got out, we start looking and then the villagers come over and they're like, you know, like this is like closed <laughs> and it's ours. So, you know, Hey, and we were like, Oh, sorry. Hey, yeah. Uh, you know? Um, but anyway, we ended up becoming like really sort of friendly with these people. And Tyler had a, um, tell them about your experience on top of the py- pyramid there. Yeah, so I don't know if that that wasn't the very first time we end up coming back because we couldn't stay because I think it was... you had it the first time though, right? Mm-hmm. Or no, 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 because it was no, it wasn't. It was the, the first time it was like becoming sunset and we had to leave and we ended up going to the waterfall still anyway. And then, but when we eventually came back with the whole group, that's when it happened. So our friend Katie, you know, she's a channeler and she was like drawn to go to the top of this pyramid, right? And and there was all sorts of energy up there. I was having these, like, when I got to the site, I was, I felt like a kid in a candy store. The energy was so potent. I have never been to a, a place on this planet still to this day that I have felt that energy. It was so strong there. And whenever I went up there, to, I was looking for you guys. And I went up there and Katie was like, you should get down in this little, it was like a looter pit. You know, they had already well, we had just found your little ball thing. You know, we, yeah. we found like a, a rounded stone, like in, on the top of this pyramid. And then, and then I found I, before we found that it was like right underneath this stone that had a casing stone on it, which was really interesting. And we were like, all taking pictures of that. I mean, cause this was a completely unexcavated pyramid that is not open to the public. It's not a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, one of the biggest sites I've actually been to because there's three different pyramid sites. Anyway, uh, when that Katie was like, you should stand in the center of that and feel the energy. And I'm like, okay. So I go down there and I, and as soon as I get down in this little pit at the top of this pyramid, I feel like I'm like getting struck by lightning. I, I can start having a seizure. Like, I don't know what it looked like from the outside, but I felt like my muscle like tighten up here. And I was like falling to my knees and blacking out and I got a vision of like a whole underground network below the pyramid. Like I saw a shaft going straight down from the center of that pyramid down into like this underground, like cavern system with like water and like mine. I, I saw this, what looked like a Mayan warrior, like this whole Mayan underworld. And I remember coming back and looking and just like, like I had just left and left and came back in an instant and looking up, I'm like, what the fuck? I really, I was looking at like, I think Katie and um, Jennifer and they're like, are you okay? What just happened? You look as white as a ghost. You're pale. Like you're off. I'm like, I'm like, this goes underground. There's an underground. It just kept saying like, I saw underground. I saw underneath of here. And it was, it was wild. And, you know, as soon as I stepped down into that pit, Katie started channeling. And, and that's whenever I felt like, like I just got hit with this energy. And later when I was talking to her, that's exactly the way it was described. It was almost like a lightning strike of energy. And I guess they were like using my body or something to like reconnect the energy thread or something. I don't really know if I fully understand what was going on, but I was in the right place at the right time. And, and this ancient group of people had like, was utilizing my frequency to reconnect this energy thread. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but Either way, I was shown a vision clearly of like a Mayan underworld. So I know like underneath that site, it goes underground and there's still people, you know. Well, and then we so then we went the next day and it was just me, Tyler and Katie that wanted to do this part because we had to like do get on. a Like they told us that there was a cave system, like with some pots or some some stuff. And we were like, so he just saw this underground thing and he's like, yeah, let's do the cave. 
And um, so, and I'm like, I love caves. So like, like I, they're like my jam. I just love them. And so anyway, we go to uh, like, we have to crawl on our crawl space, like our belly for like what, 30 feet or something to get it. I mean, it's like not a, it, there's no railing. This is also like, we were like, the fourth group to ever go in there, like ever or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, crazy slag, my slag tights, all this stuff. But there there was like pottery that had grown calcium stalagmites on it and stuff. We were going like, wait, how long has this been here? Right. That was that was mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So with with the, with that all being said, our last day or not our last day, but close to our last day, we went to this place called like the Blue Creek or the Blue Lagoon or I don't know, something generic like that. But we had to call like um uh we had to get a guide from like a lo- the local village there to take us into this other set of caves and this was a swimming cave where we you could swim in there and then back that's you it could, you could only swim in but you you couldn't walk oh, in yeah. you had to swim into it like that was it was all in water yeah and it was a lot it was like a long swim like you yeah. know um pitch black zero pitch lights black. without your helmet you no know, there's some slimy stuff you're touching with your bare feet and you don't have any shoes on and you don't have a camera or your phone because you're in the middle of a gushing water in the middle of a cave that's really cold and it's just like i loved it but yeah. i know a lot of people would be like not about that life mm-hmm. so um we and it's perilous like the end we had to like jump over this thing where we were at the where the heart of all the water that we feel the waterfall is coming out so we're at this waterfall in the center of this mountain, basically. And uh, Katie and Jennifer, the other two girls who were with us, um, they they were kind of, I don't know, they were sitting off to the side doing their own thing. And then the other two dudes who were with us, they were like playing sword over there. So Tyler's like sitting over on the at the edge of this, this uh, like waterfall creek or whatever. And I go into the waterfall and I, I put my hands like, on the heart, like underneath, I get underneath where the water stops and I put my hands on the wall and I felt like all of a sudden there was a bubble on me and I felt like I was in an elevator and it was like dropped down. And next thing I know, I'm, I like open my eyes and I'm, I, with my hands are still like in the freeze position, you know, cause they're like on the rock and I'm looking around and it's a blue based forest, like um, I, I, I don't know. I, I probably was there maybe, maybe if I'm lucky 30 seconds, but it was like, it, it was, the air was like thicker than our air. It was like something like kind of maybe something between like a gas or something. It was a kind of misty or whatever, but the, the trees were different. I'm a tree person. Like I know a lot of stuff about my plants. Like I know, like it was different foliage than we have, you know, so I could say tropical, but it wasn't exactly the same kind of tropical trees that we, it was different trees than our trees. Um, but, and they were, they weren't green leaves. They were like teal and like blues and turquoises. And it was just a more blue based kind of thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden I like take my hands off the wall and I, and I pull back and then the, the water's like beating on my head and I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. Whoa. Okay. Right. So like I swim out and like I swim over, I see Tyler's over there on the rock and I swim over to him and he's like, oh, I just got zapped. And I was like, you just got zapped. I had the same thing happen to me. I had another like seizure thing. My, I started like the energy was so strong. Being in that water was like an electric current. 
it like was, it was well, and then so you told me you were like well you sit here and I was like okay well you go do what I just did like go into the waterfall and go put your hands on the thing go do so like we switched places so like I sit where Tyler was sitting and it felt like I was on like the top of a washing machine it was like there was like this I was like what the hell am it I was like a power generator it was like a power generator yeah and I know we were next to a waterfall, but it was something different because it wasn't on every single rock. It was just like where exactly you were sitting was like totally some sort. It was like we really were on a machine. So Tyler goes in and puts his hands on the thing. And I'm not thinking he's going to see anything or whatever. I thought like, oh, that's just like a, psychi- a crazy psychic projection that I had. Like, la, la, la. What is that? So he gets out and we don't even have time to talk to each other because our guide's like, okay, time to go back or whatever. So once we start swimming on our way back, I was like, did you say, what did you see? Or did I say, I, I said, I said, did you see Shambhala? And, and I was like, I saw like these green, blue trees. And you were like, me and too. I was like, shut up, shut up. Don't say anything else. Let me say what I saw too. And that, like, and then like, so I <laughs> so we started going like back and forth. Yeah. And I saw this, I saw that. Like he, okay. So Seth, now you say what you saw. We saw the same thing, like exactly what you just described to the audience. That's what I saw. Like I, I couldn't describe the foliage. Well, was on... except that you you heard something. Yeah. So while I was getting seeing this unbelievable forest, by the way, they weren't just normal sized trees. They were massive trees, like like Devil's Tower type of like miles high, like massive trees. But they were like this teal. Everything was like this teal green aqua color. I don't know. So. And but the, while I was looking at it, I kept hearing over in my head, over and over in my head, Shambhala, Shambhala, Shambhala. Like, I don't know. It was just like I was seeing the word and hearing it. So that's why I asked you if you saw Shambhala. Well, we we exchanged stories and then and then I'll let you tell the next part of the story because yeah. you were so talking then, to the so guide. Then, so then I'm, I'm feeling some kind of way about that. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. And so we're swimming out or whatever. And then um, I when I get out, like I sort of like am leading the way with the other guide who was waiting with our stuff at the, at the mouth. And so I'm just walking with, with this guy and I'm, you know, I'm sick processing it. Right. And the, the guide looks at me and he goes, you just went to Shambhava, didn't you? And I was like, Shambhava, what do you mean? And he goes, Mayan underworld. You just went to Shambhava, the Mayan underworld. And I said, well, yes, I did. But how did you know that one but two i was like um you know in tibet they call it shambhala and he goes shambhala shambhala it can't be a coincidence yeah he goes this cannot like, be a coincidence yeah because you told him yeah it's gonna be a coincidence and i was just like <laughs> wait hey tyler katie listen to this <laughs> you know um and so yeah i don't know it was it was just like a super crazy thing but i even have um Okay, so I have some weird Shambhala connections or some stuff. You do too. You've had other instances. Okay, so here's my thing. Like, I don't know when this was. Maybe five, six, seven years ago, I was laying in bed and um, I was asleep. And then all of a sudden I wake up and there was a lady who was like floating above my head. And she was bald. She sort of looked like me, like had similar eyes to me. But she had like this symbol on her head. And it was like a circle with like three circles and like you know how like a bowling ball is like like right. you know like yeah um yeah so it, so she had like these three red dots and a triangle on her forehead that was circled in a red circle thing and it was almost like part of her skin or i don't know it was like embossed like where it was like coming out like one of those like 
Star Wars care or Star Trek characters or something, right? Or like SGI or right, right, yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, exactly, kind of like one of those. So I was just like, I brushed her away, and she like left, and I was like, who was that? That was weird. That was like a weird lady. That was a weird thing. And then I didn't know. At one point, I was like, I don't know. So I thought she was some sort of alien, this or that, or that I forgot about her. And then one of my friends was um, showing me that there's there was these these three red balls or three red things that he found in Antarctica on Google Earth. And I looked at it and I was like, oh shit, that's like the symbol that that girl was wearing on her head that like goes over my bed. Well, so fast forward to like last year, maybe a year and a half ago, I had a interview with this couple who I can't remember the name of that book. I have it up there, but it's called the uh, Chintamati Stone. It's about the Chintamati Stone, which is like mm-hmm. um Yeah. What do you how do you describe Chintamati Stone? It's like a elixir of life. It's like the Harry Potter um the stone that makes you live for or the wish stone. You can have any wish you want, this sort of thing, whatever. Anyway, so in this book, they talk a lot about Shambhala and they talk about uh, this Nicholas Rowich, who's who Indiana Jones is based on. And Indiana Jones is based on this guy, Nicholas Rowich, who was like a Russian like painter. And he was married to like this mystic lady. And then they had like a son who was like a famous writer. I don't remember his name. Anyway, like they he he's this artist who paint who went and lived in Tibet. Like he he brought the Tibetan monks like magic to the rest of the western world like he's how we know about like that they had stuff like that right he's the one who brought back the legend of argartha and shambhala so nicholas rowich apparently went there or whatever and he said that the symbol of agartha or uh shambhala is the circle with the three things in it well that's he ended up starting unesco which is the world heritage sites and then world war ii they would put the circle with the three dots on top of any building that was not to be bombed by either side because it was a world heritage site so it's kind of yeah so it's kind of interesting how i didn't know any of this i just like came upon it like backwards you know Mm -hmm. and so that's why i yeah i seem to I don't even, I didn't go looking for a Garth of Shambhala stuff. It just kind of comes. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely think like, obviously there's a connection and I don't think what happened in Belize was an accident. I don't think, you know, everything that you experience, like, I think it's all like, we're all on our own missions. Right. And I just think it's like kind of remembering who we are, discovering why we're here. And it's just part of the journey. And I just think it's amazing. Like what I realize is, like you can research all day long on the couch or at your office, but you got to get off the couch. You have to get out of your office, like go travel. Like once I started traveling and going to these places, that's when you get your own, you have your own experiences and you don't just have to read about it, you know? So it was, and I think that's ultimately like, we're not only just like remembering who we are, but we're doing grid work and like reconnecting energy, you know, grids and whatever. I don't know what's actually happening, but I do think it's important. Well, and I mean, like, I have a huge craving for, I started, like, I didn't go anywhere as a kid. Like, my parents, like, we went to, like, my grandma's house, like, New Mexico to Texas. <laughs> Texas. Like, that was our big traveling, right? You know, um, so, like, one once I hit, um, like, once I graduated college, I, I hit the ground running and was like, man, I'm going to try. I, like, I don't, I want to see some other stuff. And when I got into my 30s, I was just, it was like, it was like crazy. I started going all these places. But, like, yeah, you have 
um, you have so many more life experiences and stuff happens to you. And even if, no, even if nothing magic happens to you, like you don't see a unicorn or something pop out of the ceiling, you're like, okay, that's like, that's like pretty extreme. I, I get it. Right. And you don't have to believe me. That's fine. But, um, you could still like, even Aaron, you just got back from Egypt. Like, yep. like reading about it versus being there in person and touching the stones, like how oh, different it's, it's nine. Day. Yeah. It's, it's not on the same planet as yeah uh yeah and and reading about it is great and watching documentaries and you know all that stuff is great but it's a whole different experience when you're there in person and uh and my experience like you can feel the energies i mean you can you're looking at these like ginormous structures and these this stuff that's like we couldn't build today and it's just hilarious to me like I mean, I already knew this stuff, you know, that um, the mainstream narrative is not the truth and that there's more going on. But like when you're there looking at it in person, touching it, looking at like, you're like, yeah, yeah there's you're just like, wow, there's no possible way <laughs> that what they tell you in the mainstream narrative of things is is the truth at all. It's just impossible. Um and you just sense that there's way more going on there than what meet, than meets the eye and that this stuff is way more ancient than we're told and um i mean you're look i mean like you're looking at hieroglyphs that show clearly what i i'm seeing show ets and different beings non-human beings you know and craft like clearly craft and stargates and portals and advanced technology and things like i'm looking at it but it's funny because like if you if you have a strong belief system, a program belief system that doesn't allow you to see those things, you're not going to see it. And this goes for everything, right? It's like you can be looking at it right in front of your face and you're not going to you're not going to see it, but if you if you're open to the possibility of of that stuff being real and uh then you go to Egypt or then you go to some of these places and then you you can see like okay, there's way more to reality than we're we're taught in the mainstream modern day, you know, institution right. and stuff. Like there's way more going on here and uh, there's way more to us, you know, than, than we're taught. So well, you start, it starts really like it opens you up to kind of the greater reality, in my opinion. Right. Speaking of the greater reality, let's really get into some woo woo topics here. Um, you know, Jack Doubleday, our audience knows who he is. He talks about how he believes Earth has been terraformed and, you know, the expanding Earth and, you know, it's terraformed, meaning that it was our mountains and our riverbeds and a lot of the natural rock formations that we see were actually intelligently designed and they were built mm -hmm. by some intelligent beings, right? Whatever that looked like, we don't necessarily know, but even Nikola Tesla was hinting at it. If you read between some of the lines and even directly what he was saying, um, he said, you know, our greatest achievement will be when man can create his own planet. Like, why would he say that unless he was like on to something or he was privy to some of that information? So Nikki has these really weird memories of, I guess, building mountains. If Am I, am I really getting that wrong? Yeah. So like we're talking like however many lifetimes ago, but whenever you were telling me the story i didn't know how to feel about it but then katie like her books she was channeling like the mountains and jock's information about you know these being terraformed and not really natural structures i'm really starting to think that there's a lot more to like the entire 
planet than just being some natural random thing, right? So like, and you could take this with a grain of salt. Like these are, these are memories I was born with and I just sort of always had. And then I just never really knew how to compartmentalize them or knew what to do with them. But like, I remember being um, a kind of light itself that um, uh, I personally was like a blue green swirl light. That was my signature color. And um, I remember building parts of the Southwest, to be honest, like that's like where like I know I was sort of at. Um, but so what would happen is like, okay, so when you are this light, you still are, you're still egoic, you still are an individual, you're still separate, but you don't have a body, you're not embodied. And there's no, I can't just look here at the computer screen. I can't like focus on one thing because I can see all the way around me. Now I can't see something that I can't shine on. Like if I'm like, I can't see across the other side of the planet, but I could, could see everything that my light can touch. And so how I would physically make an actual mountain or material is like, I had to, I had to like focus my, all of my awareness down to one point which was very difficult to do because you can see everything. So, and you feel everything and you are everything that your light like illuminates. So it was, that was the thing. It like, it was like, you could take the etheric and change it into material by intentionalizing your focus. And one of the things that I, when you were done building a structure or a mountain, like like I, you, like you would mix and swirl with other lights and you would go in from the ground and you would pick stuff up and build it up. And you would, um, you, you, you were like sculpting with each other. I don't know how to explain it. And then, um, whenever you felt like, please, and by the way, the mountains now don't, they're like destructions of what was like, I think like the way, when we, when we completely started building them initially, and there are thousands of other lights. I'm not like the only light or something. There was lots and lots of other lights. Um, and we would like almost go like, you know, how like um, those water moxicans like go in these little like, like things like this. We would go down underneath the ground and like hang out in these like pods or something. I don't even know how you explain it. But anyway, we thought differently. Did We don't think the same way that we think as humans. But anyway, the, the mountains were completely more structure than they are now. And they were bigger and different. And, um, I remember when you were done, you would sign your signature, like an art, like, you know, how you sign your name at the bottom of the art, like, and what we would do is like, you would, you would like burl up into like some big ball light and you would just pierce through your mountain or your, whatever you built your land, your thing you built. And that would leave minerals like that. Like mine was turquoise. Like that's what I signed mountains with. I would sign things with turquoise, but like different, so different signatures, different people are different individuals would sign like their mountains with citrine or like whatever like amethyst yeah amethyst amethyst. yeah you know whatever yeah so yeah so i found that fascinating because that that would mean like the the crystal veins running through certain mountains in different parts of the world is a signature of the creator right of who did of who engineered or designed that mountain built it so and we asked our friend uh, Katie whenever she was channeling um, whatever group. I, I asked if that was accurate, and what what came through the group was like yes, like so we had verification that like that actually was the case. He's like oh yeah, is this accurate? He's like he's not going to be. It's you're full of shit, Nikki. And I'm like, well, I'm just telling you what I remember. Like it doesn't have to be true, but like I whatever. didn't think you were full of shit. I just wanted to know, like and. 
And I don't know, it just feels right. Like, I know it sounds so crazy, but we're, we're at a place now in our lives where, you know, like I always say, we've never had a solid foundation of truth to begin with, but things are going to be, things are going to get so crazy and so different. Like we, there's no way, there's nothing that's going to be too far out of the realm of possibility. It, I don't think, I think almost like if you can imagine it, like it's, it can be real or it is real. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I know it sounds crazy that I'm sitting here verifying like, yeah, you can build mountains and shoot through them and that's your signature, you know, but I, I really do believe that is very possible and actually likely. And that, that that's what happened. Well, and then the thing is, is like, I'm just giving you my piece of my memorance. And then like somebody else may be like, oh, well, and I remember this is how we built waterfalls or this is how we built rivers. Or this is, I don't know. Or like maybe somebody, it'll awaken something within somebody else where they can start having their, like be like, huh. And then like, they could start, I don't know. Like, I think that's how things, um, uh, I think that's how we remember, like right. we remember by, um, you know, really, uh, being authentic and open with like, okay, well, this is like kind of like what I, what I think was true. So here you go. Right. Do you think it's safe to talk about the locations of the stargates that we've discovered um, on our trips? I mean, like, here's the thing. It's like, I used to be like, no, don't say it. But at the same time, now I'm starting to starting to go like, only like, but like what? We're like how many, 40 minutes, something? I don't know how many. We're, we're into this podcast now. Like if somebody thought this was like, if they were a total NPC and they thought this was super boring up to this point, then they're not going to hear it anyway. They're not right. even going to get to this point. So it's just like, yeah, if you made it this far in the podcast already, then yeah, okay. Like Shiprock's a total. Well, sorry. I just mean like giving away the location of it. Like, like, it, do you think that would be safe? Like, not not that I'm trying to like hold on to like some knowledge or secret, but like, I don't How know. How specific like, do you want to get with the location? Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, you don't have to, cause that's the thing you could say, you could say Shiprock, but it doesn't have to be like, where in Chiprock, you know, yeah. this exact GPS coordinate. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it, at Shiprock, which is a, an incredible site that I think, you know, history and science has all wrong. It's not the, you know, the dikes yeah. and the magma uplifts and everything. Where, where is Shiprock exactly? It's in, um, it's in New Mexico. It's next to the Navajo nation. So it's in like near the four corners area. Yeah. Nor- Northwestern corner of New Mexico. So we all just went while we were recently there in August and, like I, that was my second time back and it was like, it was just as magical, but Aaron, it was your first time there. And like, what it were your thoughts of it? Like it, it feels was otherworldly, right? It, it does. I, I, uh, uh, Nikki, you mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier and that's that what Amanda and I both had that in our mind. We're like, feels like we're in Lord of the Rings right now. <laughs> yeah. Like we just, we just drive up on this giant, like structure castle. that's that. Yeah. It looks like a castle. It looks like a giant castle made out of rock. But, uh, it's crazy and it looks like a wall like a wall like a built wall clearly clearly a built wall like super obvious to me at least that it's a built wall uh that's very ancient and then it's hilarious that again the mainstream narrative is what it's some lava natural formation or something yeah yeah and, you, you know more about that and you know what's what's interesting is for one if it's a built wall like it's so ancient that mainstream could get away with describing it as natural because you really like if you don't have the eyes for it like it looks like a wall but it's easy to be trick somebody into believing it's not either way both ways are possible but 
my I was showing my family vacation photos and I got to Shiprock and my niece and nephew five and nine um, were like they saw those pictures and they're like a castle a castle like they they thought it was a castle and I said you know I said it said yeah it looks like it doesn't it I said it's actually like a rock formation you know I kind of explained my whole family was there so I couldn't say what I actually thought you know so I was I was kind of like trying to tell them to mainstream and my nephew was like what if it really was a castle though like he was like really looking at it thinking like but what if it was a castle and they're just wrong and i'm like yeah i think you're right you know and <laughs> yeah he hasn't been he hasn't had the uh right natural intuition programmed out of him yet yeah, yeah. so but anyway that location um we think it was an ancient stargate uh, somewhere in that area and we found actually like physical remains of it and it's actually really cool but i don't know if you want to add to that at all well, I, when, when me and Aaron were there, um, that night, like after I got back to my, like, um, like we, we were, we were stargazing like on the actual castle part. And when we got back to our Airbnbs, our perspective Airbnbs at night, I, I remember like I, before I went to bed, I had like this like flash where, and just take it for what it is. I don't know if it's true or not, but like, I, I, I saw, <laughs> I saw um, it like a big vault of electricity that came out of Shiprock and pierced the sky to where to, and I don't know, it looked like this is where this started happening to me starting in August, where it looked like it pierced the membrane of something and then water started. And I almost felt like Shiprock is the center of what, where the great flood started. And then I started getting on Google earth and I like looked out and if you get on Google earth, it is the epicenter of like the entire like desert area of like the Southwest. Like, and, and you go mm-hmm. through like Utah and everything. And I started thinking like, Interesting. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's something more than like, even we know. Like, right. yeah. it's yeah. crazy. Like, I don't have all the answers, but like a Stargate to where, and what does that Stargate really mean? Is it, is it literally like a point of connection of dimensions? Yeah. Right. And, I think so. Right. I think and, so something and if you look at the southwest on google earth whatever on the map and really look at it compared to all the rest of the land around and even other continents like it looks like the southwest looks like a battle scar it literally looks like a wound on mother earth it looks it looks like an ancient battle site once you have that lens once you're looking through that lens and you see it as like a a, basically an ancient battleground right it really starts making sense. And then when you go to all the sites and you can see the destruction that looked like it was melted with like laser beams or like something melted like that. Melted with lasers or it something. It does look like it's melted with laser yeah, beams. Yeah, so there was some sort of like ancient, highly advanced technological war that took place. And, and you know, the whole thing you said about shiprock, you know, and like if it just pierced some sort of membrane and water came down, which is interesting. Like uh, the Manoa book talks about space being some sort of a liquid, right? And and uh, it's just coming up like it's not not water like we think of water, but it's not air either. It's like this other dense, yeah. like whatever it is. Um, at this point, like I'm not I don't know. Like, I don't know anything. I realized. <laughs> so it, this it, discussing it, throwing ideas around like it's all very interesting to me. But you can't ignore the fact that the Southwest looked like a, a battle site. 
I think a lot of deserts do in a lot of weird ways. There's a lot of that vitrification, melted rock stuff. It's that's why they're deserts. And, and I remember hearing, I can't remember who I heard talking about this, but he was like his information when he was saying, yeah, that's why it's a desert because there was an ancient battle there that basically the equivalent of what we would think of as like an, as like nuclear blasts that went off that destroyed the land and made it into a desert. <laughs> that's why it, the whole Southwest is a desert. And same with like Africa. If you look on a map, look at Africa and the, this whole huge section of it is desert, but outside of that is green. Well, it's because the same thing happened there. And uh, they say if you if you dig down, I don't know, like 100 feet or so many feet under the like Sahara, I think that you start finding this like glass from whatever that those those nuclear like blasts were that melted the sand into glass. <laughs> and well, it's right. all over. Friends, that would be called. I just happened to be next to my my tech type uh, case. That's nice. Liberian glass. That's what there that you go. You like got the, there. You go. Oh, nice! You right have there. some. Yeah. But of course I, you I, have some. Of course, I have so many. Of course, you have some. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, this I have. I have my meteorite case next to me, and my um, my uh, you know, tech type case, which is like supposedly glass made from comet or meteorite impacts, which I don't even believe are true. Like I have a whole other thing about that. Like I really have some out there, as Tyler knows, <laughs> uh, some out there theories and things. But I I think that these are basically oh and so then i have you guys i've been going on a real dork thing i'll tell you let me just tell you so this is um trintite okay which is the um the first nuclear weapon in new mexico uh, so this is like um debris from the the nuclear test site stuff so i've been looking i have a microscope over uh, over there that i've been looking at all my rocks under my um I've been trying to basically prove or not prove, but see how close tektites are to nuclear fallout zones. So I ordered some stuff from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm comparing them microscopically to other glass that's formed um, in these weird desert areas. Like, you know, whether it's your Moldavite or any of your tektites mm -hmm. from anywhere. And they're pretty indistinguishable. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, maybe I don't have, you know, a big enough microscope, but um, I totally am into the whole, uh, uh, we had an old nuclear war or nuclear fallout, or I don't know if you want to call it nuclear, like, but we had some sort of like, like God lightning bolt, like drums, just, I mean, it's, everything. it's even described in some of the ancient texts, like in the Vedas, they describe a nuclear war, you know? Yeah the I am become death or whatever, like yep. uh, they describe that in, in a lot of these ancient texts. And then you look at what you're seeing with your own eyes and it looks pretty obvious if you don't have already like the programming, like I was talking about earlier, like it looks exactly like that's what happened a long, long time ago. Well, even in Chaco Canyon and Shiprock, like there's sites where it looked like like they're blast sites where you can right. see like an, like something it looks like a laser beam hit the, the the rock wall and there was an explosion from that point like it, mm. it's almost hard impossible not to see once you see it and then you right. start looking around you're like okay what's really going on here you know and i don't know it just you, you know we're in the middle of rewriting history and 
we don't know what it actually happened, but I and think it's Jocko, like where did the people go that live there that just suddenly disappeared and left all their stuff? The tiny people, they were small people too. Yeah. Right. But they just like suddenly disappeared, right? It's not like Yeah, there's like 30 bodies that are buried in Chaco. And it's like uh, they say that it could have housed a hundred thousand. And those are just the ones that were excavated, y'all. There's there's pueblos that are not excavated at this point. Right. Um it's I mean, we all three went to Chaco Canyon together and it was um yeah, like it's it's um it's huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's only 30 bodies that have ever been found. It's good. And it, I also sad. find it weird that the the pottery's just like having blood littered everywhere. It's just crazy. all over. Pottery shards just all over the place there. Almost yeah. like there was a massive explosion and things went flying. Like it, it mm-hmm. the pottery's laying around like shrapnel. I mean, right. that's what it kind of reminds me exactly. of. Exactly. Otherwise, why would there be pottery shards just all like, over everywhere? Yeah. Make I just sense. don't understand why it's still there. I mean, we're we're talking like we're in 2023. Like, what? Like, how is it not picked over? I guess because like, there literally no one cares about going there that much. Yeah, there's not that many people there when you right. go. I actually camped there for a couple nights, and but I whenever like it rains, obviously like you can do this in your yard. Like you can if you have it. Like when we my dad was building his house, we picked all the rocks out of the land, you know, so we can plant the grass. Well, it rains. And then after it rains, all of a sudden, there's all these other rocks come to the surface. So if anything's just below the surface, the rain brings it to the surface. So every time it rains, more and more surface. But still, the the, the story in the museum doesn't match what you go out and see with your eyes. And most of it's reconstructed anyway. And like my dad, when we were at the Aztec ruins, like it's all reconstructed. And he made the best comment ever. He was looking around. He goes, I don't know what I'm supposed to believe here. Because like, you don't know what the original, like, it's like, it doesn't make sense. There's just so much going on. It's almost yeah, they like mortar everything. It's like, that's what always makes me mad about. Like you saw the Belize, the Belize pyramids that um, Tyler had his like experience with the underworld thing was, was they've never touched those. Right. And they just look like a pile of rubble. Like you don't have like, oh, and this is where the serpent of the sun went up and saw that. I mean, like when you look at what they've done with like a lot, all the mine pyramids that you're looking at. Primarily, those are reconstructed. Like, we don't 100% know what their actual architectural. I mean, I went to Palenque a year and a half ago, right? And they have these giant megalithic big old blocks. Like, they call them stellas is what they call them when they just stick them up in the middle of the thing. But Palenque has, like, these really, really huge stones that they just now that the people sell their tchotchkes on them. They just didn't know how to put them back into the structures. They didn't really know where they went. So they just move them to the side and people sit on them and sell stuff. It's <laughs> it's just like the weirdest thing. And you're going like, well, then what am I over here? What exactly am I looking at? Like how much of this is original or not? They're, they, they've they reconstructed them with mortar and brick or, you know, they just take the rocks and put mortar and put them up and stuff. And I'm, I'm going like, I would much rather see it in its raw form than right. for you to tell me what you think it looked like. Right. And that, yeah, there's like a reconstruction everywhere in Egypt and like Chichen Itza, which I found like when I first went, I've been there like three times, but the first time I went, I was surprised to see that the backside of the big pyramid that we all see wasn't reconstructed and it was still in the ruins and it looked like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but you never see like ancient aliens, every show, every Google photo you've ever seen, it only shows the good side, the three good sides. But the one side that they didn't reconstruct, 
is like gives you a visual of like what it actually looked like when they found it which i was surprised to see that because in all the shows i've watched and everything i've seen like you don't see that side they don't show you that side they want to show you like like the instagram version of yeah even the even the great pyramids in egypt didn't look like that originally they were they had the the was it limestone or what what was the casing it was like a marble 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 casing that white marble white and like shiny and like super pretty and then that's all been ruined and you know that's right. all gone and even the the you know whatever there's different theories of what was on the the capstone of the great pyramid and that's gone now you know so it's like well, and the great pyramid was weird to me because like when i see you mainly see pictures far away and stuff right or even mm-hmm. if you see somebody like yeah like right next to it with like some camels or something you don't really get a good view of the rocks until it's like mm-hmm. when you walk up to those, they're first of all, they're all different sizes, really, which I thought was b- bizarre. But then also, like, there's no sand that's not sand on it. It's like vitrified. It looks like melty rock. It like it's like yeah. melty limestone. And you touch your hand yeah. on these things; they're huge. And you're going like, whoa, yeah. Like I, I mean, my first experience when I touched my first pyramid was like, okay, yeah. Like, e- and I was trying to think, like, even if I didn't have the preconceived notion that something else more is going on i don't know how as a normal person i could go up to this and go like oh yeah just you know every single one of these is two hundred thousand pounds but they were moved by slaves like it doesn't right. make any sense it's right it doesn't, there's no way i know right. i'm looking i'm like there's no way just regular humans that were less advanced than we are today uh constructed this with stones that came from hundreds of miles away like with these giant giant like there's no way there's just no way it's it's physically impossible and then people will be like well you know what they did is they made water canals and they floated everything up or they had to or they they come up all these labyrinths and i'm like okay well that's think they know like show me the evidence like right right Right. Well, I mean, even even like a fact is like the definition of a fact is enough people that agreed upon a theory. Like, you know, so enough people that agreed on a theory, they're like, okay, that makes the most sense. It's it's now a fact, you know. So that's why, like, even when we hear like, like, yeah, what's a fact and what isn't? What's a belief? What isn't? You know, and like, and the consensus reality. If enough people believe in something, it becomes the truth because, like, the hundredth monkey effect and. And like, that's why you really like everyone's starting to like question everything right now, because none of it makes sense. But I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, So Nikki was at the Denver airport and she was looking at the murals wondering, you know, what the fuck is all this? What's going on? Like, you know, asking questions like a smart person would do. And I'll let you tell the story what happened from there. But I, I think this is very interesting. Okay, so this was like 10 years ago. This was in 2014. I, I had just become a flight attendant. And, um, and I've been a flight attendant for like, um, that's what I do for my day job. Um, and, um, anyway, I was based in the Denver airport and when we would fly over, I'd be like, that looks like a swastika. That's weird. And then like, I'm like, I'm like in the Denver airport, like rolling through and there's like these murals with little kids in coffins and like these Nazis with like swords and gas masks. And, uh, there's like all this Freemasonry symbols everywhere. And there's like these little hands that are like trying to grab you in some of these trains. And you're like, it. I was like, this place is weird. Like there's something weird about this. So yep. like what you do, this is 2014 guys. This is not today. So like there's, I'm, 
you know, there's less conspiracy stuff than there is now, but there's different conspiracy stuff than there is now because some of the stuff I was looking up then you can't even find anywhere online now. Yep, that's true. I can attest to that. Yeah, I I wish now I wish I could find some of the stuff that I was looking up then because I don't even see. Dave scrubs so much off the internet in the last 10 years. It's it's nuts. Oh, it's it's insane. insane. And so I... Okay, I used to be an art dealer, like before I became a, before I was a flight attendant. And um, anyway, I had no trouble or problem just going to an artist and being like, hey, like, you know, I, and at this point, I actually had still like an online gallery. So I was, so I just contacted the people who drew the mur- murals and was like, hey, I own an art gallery in New York. And I was just uh, wondering, like, you know, what these murals in Denver airport were about. And I was wondering if I could like call you and maybe do like a studio visit and come check out some more of your art and this and that. Okay. Like that's just kind of like the reconnaissance stuff you got to do, right. You got to dig in the weeds to get to things. And um, so I come home and, and my, I don't make my bed. Okay. Unless I'm going to have company over and then I'll make my bed. Okay. But like, you know, just a regular day. I don't make my bed. My bed was like pristinely made, like with the pillows, like all like, you know, like something I would never do unless I was about to have a party or something. And um, so my bed was pristinely made and there was these two books like on my bed. So somebody broke into my house, made my bed, which is super weird, and um, put these two books on my pillows. And okay, so this, I I texted with Tyler about this earlier, so I know he was going to assets but these were the two books that they they had on my bed wow the secret society's handbooks and the new world order opposing viewpoints okay so and this, this was in 2014 this is in 2014 okay. so this one is like got let's see it's got a bunch of different like highlighted verses and um like some of it's in yellow so used used books it's a used book and like i'm kind of wondering like, well, and I can't, I don't know where the one with the highlight, but like this starts talking about the 500,000 people on the planet um, and how they want to, re- for, you know, the, 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 the Georgia to- Guidestone stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Georgia Guidestone stuff. Exactly. Yeah, they want to so, kill off 95% and, plus of the population. Yeah, exactly. Which is super horrible. Like I had never heard of any of this at this point, guys. So then, and then this one is like, you got, um, let's see the let's see which secret societies they go into they go into i mean and it's just kind of like a glossary of them right you go into the assassins the bilderbergs the bohemian club the club of rome the council of foreign relations um exus judo freemasonry the dawn club the illuminati Knights templar ku klux klan mafia majestic 12 the aviaria the aquarium mensa or mensure opus dini the uh, order of the skull and bone Blah blah blah. The Rosicrucians, the Round Tables, blah blah blah. blah. blah yeah. Blah, so blah. anyway, like I just for me it was kind of like I knew that they know everything you look at. Like at, so in 2014, I just sort of my takeaway was like I don't know if they were good or bad who did this, but um well obviously they're bad because they break into your house, right? But um I it was sort of I felt like it was a warning for me to stop kind of digging, and so then I just decided. Like, nah, I'm not really gonna like heed that warning because like I'm, and that's why I became I started a podcast like four years after that. I've had podcasts like five years, and it's just like 
I, I I don't know. I don't really know how else to read read into that. No one's ever come in to me and been like, or come come up to me and been like, do you want to join the blah blah blah? So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, does it not freak you out that your somebody was in your house that your bed was made, or you just like, okay, whatever, you went like every day? Like... I mean, ten years later, does it? Freak, the, the amount of things that have happened to me in life does that freak me out? Eh. If you I mean, want, like, if you at the time, build, I feel like they could have, they could do one of those heart attack guns from outside my bedroom. You know, like I don't know, they I mean, know who I am there where I'm they at. They could. I mean, if they wanted you dead, they would have. That would have happened that would back then, a long time right. ago. Uh, so, to me, I I interpreted that as more of a good source, maybe, um, or at least somebody that wanted you to know. Because to me, those those groups secrecy is like kind of the lifeblood of that even though they're always putting in plain sight you know what they're doing and who they are but they they still want that secrecy they don't want people really knowing who they are or what's really going on so the fact that somebody put two books that clearly like lay out everything about them and who they are and what's going on that's a good source to, to me and then the fact that nothing happened really beyond that too kind of tells me that because a lot of times if it's they'll be kind of more threatening than that. If, if it's uh, a back off kind of warning or like we're, we're watching you like they would, I don't think they would do it in that way. I don't know. It's possible though. Right. That's very, very interesting though. And that's, I mean, if that's not corroboration of the truth of all this stuff, right. You know, people that want to poo poo this stuff as if it's like nonsense conspiracy. And then you just had that, you had that experience happen to you right after you were like, inquiring and about the wondering like, what is this all this and then that happened come on if that's not like telling you that stuff's real i don't know what is oh and i 100 percent knew like when it happened that it was because of what i was looking into and like and like i'm a i'm i'm kind of a heavier looker in than most people i'm not just like a i just google one thing and just read the first thing i find like i i kind of you know, like mm-hmm. try to get to the source of it a lot. Like I try to contact people who were involved in the thing a lot, you know? And yeah. so that's like, not the kind of person that maybe um, that you want uh, looking into your society. So maybe it is a good person, like trying to look into that. I don't really know, but um, yeah, like, and I mean, I do sort of feel like you know, a lot of what we just went through in the last, like, you know, the whole pandemic stuff, all that, I think like that was an attempt at the culling of the herd. I don't think it was as successful as they wanted it, but you know, I definitely think like stuff like that was when that all was happening, I was like, okay, well, this stuff is not BS because like there really is an agenda to lessen the population. So. Mm -hmm. Right. It was an attempt. And and I think it was supposed to be way worse than it actually was. I think they thought it was going to be way worse than it actually was. And either you can call it divine intervention or you can call it the white hats or you can call it benevolent ETs or whatever, maybe all of the above. We actually stepped up too, though. Like, look at how many of us were like, nah. On top of us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the most important thing that happened that made it way, way, way less than what they wanted. So, so, but, so what did they do? So even though it didn't have the effect they wanted, they had to play it up as if it still had that effect because they still wanted to do those agendas and stuff. So they yeah. had to like, oh my God, everyone's dying. It's so, it's so bad. Everyone has to wear a mask and lock yourself in and blah, blah, blah. Right. Get a vac, get a, sorry, I can't say the word. 
get a thing yeah, right. put inside of you. Um, we cannot talk about that. We've had, we cannot talk about I mean, it. I've lost nine. count of the videos we've had removed from medical misinformation now. Like like weekly, YouTube? they go through the library. And it's like we've lost so many yeah. old episodes because anytime you talk about that, you can't like that, that's the biggest that's, that's the number I, I that's the number one place. thing they censor. I think that is the number one thing they censor. But like yeah. uh, I mean, I had one for like taken down for like shadow work and 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 also like i mentioned this was before 2020 and like i mentioned um that word and um and it was it was taken down yeah even before that they were still like there were still the activists you know trying to well, call it took it down like this year but it was right. from like four years ago and it was before the pandemic was around so nikki why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are we forgot to in, really introduce <laughs> you. <laughs> oh. Nobody knows like. You want like, to wait how, till the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess you can briefly like let our audience know about your channel and how you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I uh, I have a YouTube channel where I basically I interview. Uh, mine's called Nikki Anna Jones Ex uh, Exploring the Fringe, and it's like uh, I, I'm like a. I also interview people as well. My, I have more of a focus, I would say, on megalithic stuff and uh, ancients and like, um, you know, I, like we definitely have some overlap, but um, I like my my focus tends to be, uh, yeah, like, like, like what the heck, more of like a history based, like what the heck do you think went on here sort right. of thing uh, in our reality and our stuff. And so like I've had that podcast for, uh, I don't know, like since 2018. So what is it? No. Yeah. Is that five? Four, I've had it five years. Um, uh, coming on five years. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I am. Like, so I guess like in this regard, I'm a podcaster, but I'm also like, a, I'm like a world traveler and I'm also in like my own, like, I think I might be like a grid worker. I would call myself. I don't really know. I like, I like, I'm like an adventurer. I am yeah. kind of like Indiana Jones actually in a weird way, like not to be, <laughs> cringe right no i know i've yeah. i've i've been on you know enough trips with you now and uh you know you're a great tour guide which by the way you're potentially uh co-hosting a tour to egypt in may next may right yeah yeah i'm doing a trip um i'm going to be going with um derek olson from megalithic marvels and then muhammad ibrahim and um yeah it's like a it's a 10 day tour of all, and but it's a good way to see Egypt you know it's not like it's it's like a 5d way to see Egypt with like cool stuff nice. so yeah right so, yeah, be... I'll, and I'll give you the link or whatever so but can you can you let the listeners know um like where they can find that information oh yeah like if you go to um any of my videos on YouTube we'll, we'll have it at the bottom of the you know like I'll be like oh and you know you click on the description and it'll have like, the link to it and I'll just give you the link as well and um uh so there should be more information on that uh there and the, and it'll have the itinerary and like what all we're doing and um it's about five thousand dollars and then plus you have to buy your plane ticket so um and i know you're like people are always like oh my god that's so expensive and even i'm like oh my god that's so expensive. but at the same time you have to realize like if you're gonna get like private access to like the sphinx and like the great pyramid and stuff like that mm -hmm. if you did that on your own it's like five to thousand dollars just to i think a private two hours with the inside the great pyramid is five thousand and two hours with um the sphinx is four thousand or something so like if you wanted to just roll up 
just by yourself and you're like, yeah, I could have a cheaper trip. You could, but you couldn't like do some of the things that you get to do unless you go with a group. So, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. So go to your YouTube channel, Nikki Anna Jones, and go under the video description and there's a link for the information for the Egypt trip. Yes. Okay. That's how you do it. Okay. So, well, and that'll obviously be below in our description as well. So, uh, is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap this up? Hmm. Okay. Bonus thing to tell you guys about. This is like crazy. Okay. So, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks after our sunflower trip, I was, I was in, um, this place called three river petroglyphs, which is, um, in New Mexico, it's like next to the lava fields by kind of near White Sands. And um, anyway, I'm I'm down there and I, 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 I wasn't planning on going there. I was just driving and it was one of those like, oh, my heart just pulled me. And I was like, oh, whoa. And I start, I look over and the sign says three river petroglyphs. It's like petroglyphs. Okay, I want to go there. So I start driving down to the road to get there. And it's like, I don't know, like 15 minutes off the road or something. It's kind of like a trek. And then I start remembering, oh. Oh, this actually, I, I interviewed a lady who um, talked about these petroglyphs, whatever. So I get there, there's like 21,000 petroglyphs and they're all on, like there's, it's scattered all over the ground. And there's, um, uh, looks, it literally back to our nuke thing. It looks like somebody nuked the ground. There's like black charred rock basically. And then all these like petroglyphs are all on it. I, okay. So as I'm walking around the petroglyphs, I start having, um, I would call it a memory feeling. So like I understood the people who left or who made these drawings. I don't know who they were. I don't have any, like, I don't know what they looked like or whatever, but there was, uh, this is what I remembered thinking. I was like, I remember there was a destruction and they were, the way they were thinking before they drew was um, we have to give them something that when they reawaken, they will, they, they'll, they'll, um, they can, they can put things back together. And so they were leaving. So this was like their parting gift to the future inhabitants. And so, you know how you see, anytime you see a circle petroglyph or like, it looks like it's like four cross or like it's the spirals or all this other stuff. Like all of a sudden I started seeing like stuff started clicking in for me with, these are all schematics. These are all the cross cut of looking at a machine from the down to up. And it's all magnet placements. Like crop circles are magnet placements and petroglyphs that are circular are all, they're showing you that there's so many different ways to have free energy with magnets. That's not just one way. There's multitudes of way. And they are giving us blueprints. Blueprints, yeah. blueprints, 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 blueprints. 100%. Have you seen the, yeah. there's a documentary yeah. on Netflix years ago. There's a crop circle documentary. And what the guy was doing was taking the crop circle and he was expanding it into 3D. 3d and it would become a completely different shape i mean you take that flat image and then expand it into a 3d sphere and then he would 3d print it and he started realizing that they were schematics and blueprints and and he thought they were for like a free energy vehicle and he was literally trying to build a ufo and like him and this scientist and they were 3d they were taking all the crop circles from all over the world and they were expanding them in three-dimensionally and 3d printing them and he was like putting them together like a machine and they ended up like having this falling out or they'd lost funding and never finished the product. But it was like, you would actually find that documentary pretty fascinating. 
Yeah. Well, they were probably getting too close. They were getting too close to the truth. I could not. Why they lost. That was. I probably saw that in 2017, 2018, maybe. Like, I couldn't even tell you the name of it. But. um, That's interesting because, yeah, I I mean, I definitely. Okay. So I, I, like, I, one time I had, well, I mean, I have a lot of drawings of like, you know, um, this is my dream journal. Um, but I have a lot of drawings of like free energy machines that I get in dreams. And it's like, um, uh, well, there's a thing that I didn't even know until like in my dreams where, uh, you can do when you're pouring, this is like an, an example of a free energy machine. Okay. So this is called dipolation. Okay. Like, I don't know if this thing is focusing or not. Yeah, we can see it pretty good. Okay. So. They were like in my dreams, I could see like when a magnet is being poured, when the, the, when the, um, iron filings and stuff are still magma or it's still warm, you can actually, I don't know the word is dipolation, but I don't know if that's a real word or if that was just like a dream word or something, but, um, you can change. Apparently I started, I looked this up online. You really can do it. You can go like North, South, North, like within one magnet pour, you can change the, the polarization. polarization within a magnet while it's still being formed because you, you you form that and then it becomes a permanent magnet and it can never change and then if you put them in the right um sequencing within the dipolation they will it's a perpetual motion that's all it is it's just and so when i was looking at all of those petroglyphs i was just seeing different different schematics that they were giving for that for perpetual right. motion within that magnet and so i started just looking at it like it's not just like oh in the north the south magnets here some of them um can look can literally like the spoke of whatever this the the whatever the um circle graph or glyph or whatever that is um can have a dipolation thing within itself too so it's all kind of a matter of maybe just knowing how to lay out the magnets in the right way that's what i kind of think might be happening right or just even like even giving someone the idea that you just put out into the collective like people will hear that and now they'll look at that and the idea is starting somebody's gonna run with it you know what i mean yeah and i hope they do because like i I mean i looked into manufacturing that particular machine um which that particular machine was like a a ways to like optimize cells in your body like you basically put i don't even know where it yeah you that was like that is a so like that's what it looks like from the cross section, and then this is it going on the side, and then there was like a north and a, a a north and a north and a south thing here, and then it's all into a crystal, and you put some laser light in, and what that does is it 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 like so crystal actually is not just woo woo, it's actually um, an amplifier. It amplifies energy. So once you got like the perpetual motion, and you get like certain light frequencies that go into a crystal, it it you know it will put like a really direct line um, of energy in something. So anyway, I don't know. I'm just saying that was like a huge download for me with, I, with, with um, correlating crop circles and petroglyphs together. I the petroglyphs are found all over the world. So I do think even if you don't want to do the, if you don't know the magnet stuff, even if you could start collecting piece, somebody needs to start collecting all the petroglyphs because there's no record of all of them. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there was some we took pictures of at Chaco Canyon, that one area we found. 
that I that are not online. I've looked like they're they're just not online. Like even there, there's ones that are being discovered. So uh, obviously, you know, there's no shortage of stories um, after, you know, hanging out with you and going on some trips with you. Like we could do a, another hour of just telling stories and, you know, what happened in the wild stuff and unbelievable stuff and st- other Stargates and Bigfoot and Men in Black, which by the way, if you want to hear Nikki's Men in Black experience, if you go back to our experience their testimony video from the Sunfire Festival a couple in August. Uh, just go in our library and you can find that video. Nikki is the last one in the lineup of people and she tells her men in black story, which is really interesting. That, that is it. That is an amazing experience that you had. That is yeah. 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 So uh go check that out. And um it's interesting if you read some of the comments under that video, they're like, I don't know who the girl at the end was, but I love her. Like his. Yeah. 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 yeah people um, love you. <laughs> so thank you so much for um, joining us today and everyone go check out her YouTube channel, Nikki Anna Jones, go subscribe, check out the Egypt trip and um, yeah. Make sure you give her a, a like subscribe and follow. And thank you for joining us. And guys, don't forget, take advantage of the early bird special for our conference. All that information is at rebelsofdisclosure.com. And I guess that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Good night, everybody. We love you all and have a great evening. Good night. Thank you guys.